1: fantasy question email fantasy baseball at cbsi.com get ready to win your league where fantasy becomes reality now here's adam scott heath and chris all right
2: everybody here we go we're talking about third base a very very deep position dot 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 or is it question mark yeah it is or is it i'll answer that in a little bit with scott white and Chris Towers, we do have some news that we must get to here on Friday, February 21st. So, Scott, hi. Hi. You love pitchers. Mm. They're, they're dropping like flies. Luis Severino uh-huh. might start the year on the IL with right forearm discomfort. And Carlos Carrasco has leg discomfort. What's up?
1: Well... They're both going to be re examined later today, so we'll probably have a clearer idea when that happens. Um, the forearm tightness for Severino dates back to his last start last season. And that's uh, unbelievable. It's terrifying. Yeah, Hi, I'm here. But I mean, he's obviously had MRIs and stuff since then that haven't revealed anything, so I'm. I don't know. It's just, it's. I don't know if it's a situation where he's just going to have to learn to deal with the discomfort or what. But it's, it. it, it, I don't know. It's. We don't really know much of anything at this point. It's worrisome, though.
2: Okay. Uh, Yeah. Well, I guess it doesn't really make sense to talk about it today since they're both going to be examined later today. But I think just kind of long term, or you know, you've got to be a little worried about Luis Severino, right? This not showing much
1: durability lately. Yeah, I mean forearm pain is, is connected often, to the elbow. It's often a precursor for elbows and um it's it's possible he has such a small tear in his UCL that MRI's can't detect it, I guess. I, I don't know or maybe it's worse. I mean now maybe now the latest MRI will show something, who knows. I But yeah, it's 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 not good, but it's not There's just a little to go on right now.
2: Okay, we'll figure it out then, and I guess we'll wait on Carrasco too. That's pretty much the big news. Yoan Moncada and Tim Anderson, we've talked about Anderson. We'll talk about Moncada today. They're likely to bat atop the order for the White Sox. Could be a nice thing for them. Ian Happ is likely going to play center field for the Cubs this spring. Uh, Ian Happ, I don't want to just completely skip over him in our position previews, Chris. Is there some sleeper appeal for Happ?
3: Of course, he was really good at AAA last year, cut the strikeout rate, came back up towards the end of last season and showed some signs of progress. You know, he's still there's a lot of swing and miss in his game that was sort of unexpected. But at this point, you just kind of have to bake it into your expectations for him. But I did a draft last night uh, with a bunch of industry people, and I took him It was a roto draft. I took him with one of my six bench spots because why not? If he plays every day, there's 25 homer, 10 steal potential there.
2: Yeah, he had a nearly 900, near 900 OPS last year, Ian Happ. And he played 13 games at second base. So he lost the eligibility. You know, it did not carry over. He's only outfield eligible right now, but he played seven games at first, 13 at second, eight at third, 29 in the outfield. There's a chance he's going to have a lot of eligibility at some point or maybe just outfield. We shall see. But uh, Ian Happ, two sixty four, three thirty three, five sixty four slash line, and let's see where he's he's going. Really late, if I recall, three hundred twenty seventh overall. Nobody wants
1: Ian Happ, so no, no traction there. He cut down on his strikeout rate significantly in the little bit yeah. he played last year, um, and that was that was the main thing holding him back. Small sample, so can't definitively say he's whipped that problem but it was it was encouraging
3: and, and if you take AAA into account it was 152 strikeouts in 157 games compared to like 167 in 142 the year before so that's a pretty significant increase especially because those 142 games were you know a lot of them were as a part-time player so you know he was up around a 30 percent strikeout rate in 2018 it was more like 25% in 2019. 25% is playable.
2: That is Ian Happ. Miguel Sano has like a 35% strikeout rate. We're going to talk about him. He's a very fun player. huh? He hits the crap out of the ball, but he doesn't hit it all that often. But when he hits it, it goes very far. He was on pace for about 50 home runs uh, in 155 games. So let's get into third base right now. Uh, before we do that, our Facebook group, though, please join our Facebook group. Just search for Fantasy Baseball Today. Uh, on Facebook, you will find it. Come join. Um, we'll post some topics every day, and you can get some feedback from other people in the group. And our newsletters—if you want—just right into your inbox. Podcast content, the latest news. Just go to cbssports.com/newsletters. You can find the different ones that we have, and there is a fantasy baseball today one. cbssports.com/newsletters. So third base is obviously super deep, but there—you know—just be careful on draft day because. This is what third base looks like if you take the top 20 and you remove all of the players who are shortstop and second base eligible. It's You take out Bregman. It's Arenado, Jose Ramirez, Anthony Rendon, Rafael Devers. Wow. That's your top four. Chris Bryant, top five. But then you take out LeMahieu, Muncie, McNeil, Machado. If those guys are playing at second base, Machado's not second base eligible, but if those guys are playing at second base or short... You go from Chris.
1: You mentioned Brian. Brian's outfield also. Okay. I I
2: wasn't doing outfield, but yeah. Okay. Um, you take out Brian. You take out those three guys. You go from Chris Bryant to Vladimir Guerrero, Eugenio Suarez, Johan Moncada, Matt Chapman, Josh Donaldson. It's not bad. It's still pretty good. It's not, (laughs) it's good. It's good. You Uh, should have a good one. Um, but after Donaldson though, it's Sano, Guriel, Justin Turner. So it's actually Donaldson's 10. Uh, so I don't know, Scott, do you, do you want to, is there a risk in waiting too long no. at
1: third base? No, not, <laughs> it's, it's the position where you can clearly wait the longest of any of them. And even beyond the proven options, which are uh, far ranging, uh, there are still, there are still some sleepers to like too. So no, it is, it is the deepest position and it may be the deepest position In 12 years of doing this, that I've ever seen.
2: But that's because there's so much multi position eligibility.
1: There is a lot of multi, but even so, like, my top, I think it's my top 19 third basemen are in my top 150 overall players, which.
3: Does that, how far does that go in the rankings? Does that, like, Justin Turner? Yeah. Or is he higher than
1: that? I think he's twentieth for you, if I recall. Um uh, he he may be just outside. There, but but still it's Justin Turner, you know, who was right, like top that's... ten last year and didn't do anything to really fall out of it. Yeah. Except just have another year where he missed some time. So uh that that kind of speaks to it right there. It gets to be a real logistical issue. How are you going to get that many third basemen on twelve rosters, especially when you're talking about a head to head lineup which doesn't have the extra corner infield spot. So yeah, no. This is not. This is not one where you really need to worry about getting left out.
2: Okay, they they will come off the board fairly quickly, though. I think that's the point because they're going to be playing other positions as well. So the third base. So no,
1: I mean Donaldson. I've seen Donaldson go like in round twelve. I've seen Justin Turner go in like well, round fifteen. Yeah, but I, do I, you want Turner to be your starting third base? Yes, that's he, fine.
2: Well, is it? I mean, it, yes. while he's
1: healthy, it is. But he's also like
2: 35. His plate discipline got worse last year. His ground ball to fly ball ratio got worse last year, and he never stays mm-hmm. healthy. So that's fine. I, I mean, it, Donaldson's ADP is 95th. Yes. And I think in a shallower league, Scott, like where you only have one and you don't have corner infield, middle infield, it's probably going to, those guys are probably going to last longer. But i probably in a deeper league where there are more hitters, just be aware by the 100th pick, there's 14, there's, 15 third basemen off the board, third base eligible players off the board by the 100th pick, according to Fantasy Pros. Just saying. Just saying. But it's deep. I'm not disputing that. that. there's still
3: a lot of good ones after Right. That. That's it's the, the thing. thing is you can still get Mike Moustakis, Miguel okay. Sano, Yuli Guriel. Do, like, do you want
2: those? Okay. Moustakis is 104th. That's fine. Yeah. All right. Sano's Sino, risky as hell. I mean, Guriel is super risky. It's a, it, okay.
1: All right. So, uh, but the thing is, there are still sleepers <laughs> beyond that. So you could you could still, if, if you end up with one of the riskier options like Sano or Turner, you can still uh, secure a fallback option that has pretty good amount of upside. There's two in particular I like. My two favorite n- latest round targets among hitters both qualify at third base, and we haven't even mentioned them yet.
2: And they are J.D. Davis and
3: Gio Urshela. <laughs>
2: right? Uh,
3: Adam knows me. <laughs> but, yeah. like, th- there's guys even beyond that who are third base <laughs> eligible who I-, I look at and, like, it's not the worst outcome if you end up with them on your bench because they have potential. A guy like Nick Solak, who looks like he's going to play pretty much every day for the Rangers, he's, he's got, got a 25 home He's D.H. only. You're D.H. only, Scott.
2: <laughs> Hunter Dozier was really good before his oblique injury. Uh, Scott uh, Kingery showed some signs. Yeah. Miguel Andujar. Miguel Andujar. Yeah, we'll see He's how much He's D.H. He only also.
3: You're D.H. only, Scott. <laughs> I don't know why you don't understand this yet.
2: <laughs> All right, DH so only. do you have an overall third base strategy then? Because this is like shortstop. You could definitely take one in the first round, the second round, or you know, be comfortable in the mid rounds of Scott, uh, Chris, I'll go to you first. You have a third base strategy.
3: No, I think shortstop and third base are the two where I just want to get the best players possible. And and one of the things I run into a third base is sometimes I draft a shortstop to be my third baseman. And then I don't get as many third basemen as I want. And there have been times when I've gotten to, like the 12th, 13th round and Justin Turner, everyone knows is one of my favorite players and I can't fit him in my lineup. And so that's one of the things that you run into at 3rd th- You're talking about, oh, you might miss out if you wait at third base. I run into the exact opposite problems that sometimes this is b- true for both shortstop and third base where I just can't fit a guy in my lineup. Yeah,
1: right. Yeah, that's that's the th- like we talked about Alex Bregman on the shortstop preview if Uh, how I think he's the sixth or seventh best hitter depending on whether you're going to prioritize trade Turner steals over him. So he's, he's his own separate thing. Uh, if Nolan Arenado falls to like round two, I might consider taking him. If Anthony Rendon falls to round three, I might consider taking him. Um, Jose Ramirez being a great steep, the one, one of the The one really great steal source at the position, there might be a justification to take him in the middle of round two, but I'd rather not have to do any of that. I'd rather not be in the position where I'm forced to make that choice because when I fill third base that early, I find that I'm frustrated I can't draft more third basemen later. So while at shortstop, there are a couple of points Where I, you know, I don't really want to let Marcus Simeon slip by. I don't really want to let Corey Seeger slip by. At third base, I just wait until, uh, until the last of what I consider the viable starters is left. Most, in the, in most of the drafts I've done.
2: And where's that? Where's the last viable starter?
1: Um, for me, it ends up being, Miguel Sano, uh, oftentimes, uh, okay. I I like the upside there. I think he could lead the majors in home runs this year. There is some risk, and uh, but I'm but I'm doing that partly knowing I'm probably going to get one of J.D. Davis and Gio Urshela, if not both, later, and so I'm willing to take on the risk. Yeah, yeah, and you could probably wait even later to, to take Justin Turner, but um. I don't know. I I've never by that point I'm I'm just looking for upside hitters and usually it makes sense to go with a third baseman.
2: Yeah, but you could take Aaron. I mean it's funny that you're calling Aaron Otto a second round pick cuz that's just I think is that No, it's,
1: his first round caliber. It's just he's he's one of the first round caliber bats that's easier to let slide because he plays third base and he doesn't give you steals.
2: mm mm-hmm. Mhm. So there's not much of a difference between him and Bregman in a roto league. In a points league, there's a big difference. Bregman's clearly better. Uh, in a roto league, I think you could argue that Arenado's better.
3: Yeah, I mean, last year Bregman, Rendon, and and Arenado basically had the same season. At least for as far as a roto league
2: goes. Yeah, and Arenado does that every year. I mean, his batting average was actually pretty high
1: last year, but he's
2: he's always right. good there. Um,
1: the the big the biggest difference in roto between them is. Bregman, you can move to shortstop if sure. you're in that position where you're like, ah, oh, I wish I could fit another third baseman in. Oh, here's how I can do it.
2: Right. Well, so the way I see it, and tell me how you feel about this. If you, if you take an early first baseman, or third baseman rather, you take Bregman or, or let's say Arenado, since Bregman, you can move to shortstop, or Jose Ramirez or Rendon or Devers. You have to take them within the first. Devers is like top 25 pick. They're, they're first or second round players, right? You can still take three third baseman. You can take one of them, and then in like round seven, you can take you know Max Muncy or McNeil or whatever, and move them over or Manny Machado or Mike Mustakis, and then you can take Miguel Sano or Justin Turner even later, and make that player your utility. What you're probably not going to do is take Vlad in the fifth round. You're pro- probably going to or Suarez maybe. You're probably going to wait a little bit longer and get to like the you know Muncy LeMayhu. Right, because he's only third base. So in other words, if you can take one of those elite third basemen early, and you could still end up with three third basemen on your team, but one of them's obviously gonna to have to play a different position.
1: Yeah, so I was in my third base strategies piece. Be sure to check those out, by the way. They're they're um, they're loaded with information, but I kind of just casually went through the exercise of um, Figuring out how many third base eligible players you could fit in your lineup. (laughs) You would probably have to resort to something else for your third outfielder. And obviously there isn't like a catcher third base eligible guy, but otherwise it would be very easily to, it would be very easy to fill out your entire lineup with players who have eligibility at third base. So really, yeah, (laughs) yeah, it, it would not, it would not be. A stretch to do that at all okay Um, that's
2: good it's good to know
1: yeah so uh and and so something else to keep in mind too even if you are in a position where uh you kind of block up third base Miguel Sano is going to gain first base eligibility probably within the first week of the season that's a position he's expected to play most now with the signing of Josh Donaldson so that helps and uh, also J.D. Davis, if you're like me and and value him as a latest round target, he's outfield eligible. Uh, so there are there are two avenues that you could exploit there.
2: Which third baseman do you draft often, Chris?
3: It's probably been. Is it kind of boring to say Alex Bregman? Mm-hmm. I've drafted a ton of him because. At least in industry drafts, it's not really reflected in ADP, but I feel like in industry drafts there have been instances of him falling. And uh I'm perfectly happy if he's there in the second round. Like oh, he God. went That's amazing twenty third yeah. overall in oh this mock in this draft I did yesterday. Roto 23rd.
2: Wow. Roto, I'm assuming, wow. or categories. Roto, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Bryce so Harper Greg... went ahead of him. Yeah. Wow. Uh, well, that is some... was it an OBP league or a batting average league? No. Wow. I mean,
3: even if it's an OBP league, <laughs> yeah, Alex Bregman, Bregman, Bregman led the majors <laughs> in walks last year. Yeah, no, he's I,
2: great. I just, at I,
1: least Harper I, has a that, little that bit more that. seems data. like steals derangement because Harper had, what, 15 steals last year? He's not a, yeah. he's a pretty he's good fine. contributor in the category, but that's something people overlook with Bregman. Oh, He didn't run much last year, but two years ago, he had 10 steals. The year before that, he had 17.
3: Yeah, he's fast enough Baker, to steal
1: Running into Astros now like he could surprise with like a 20 steal season it's totally within the realm of possibility all right Scott who do you draft off in a third base
3: uh,
2: uh by the way Chris that was pretty boring with Alex Bregman but we'll let it okay pass. no uh,
3: Justin Turner. Justin Turner he always, he always picks like the best player at the position
1: who do you end up drafting <laughs> well yeah I have like a whole roster of first rounders so how about you Scott <laughs> I, uh, I end up drafting a lot of Miguel Sano, like I said. Uh, it seems like Eugenio Suarez is falling more than he should, given the injury news. He was like the first injury of, of camp. And, uh, it, it, his, I mean, it was a shoulder surgery, but it was like a cleanup procedure. And it sounds like he'll still be ready for opening day. So, um, he's probably dropped about five, in the drafts I've done, it's not reflected in ADP yet, but I've seen him go like five or six rounds later than he was going before, and that seems excessive.
2: So he's his ADP now is round six, but like you said, it takes time for that to really adjust. When would you take A. Eugenio Suarez, who I'm pretty sure he led baseball in strikeouts, one more than Ronald Acuna, and he was second in baseball in
1: home runs uh, with uh, 49. He was my number seven player at the position. Now he's 12th for me. It is a loaded position, so it's it's easy to keep dropping him. Um, wow, he did lead the majors in strikeouts. 189, that's a low major league leading strikeout.
2: Well, it's only game. because Miguel Sano didn't play that much. And and <laughs> <and laughs> Joe Gallo and Miguel Snow both <laughs> got
3: hurt. Aaron yeah. Judge got hurt. Giancarlo yeah. Stanton got hurt. And Ooh. it kind of... Go ahead. Well, no, it was... So this is sort of a tangent, but it was kind of a weird year for, like, outlier production in, like, Stolen bases, saves, and strikeouts, I'm now realizing, because I thought about this yesterday. And, like, the guys who you would expect to lead in all of those, the the leaders were really low relative to norms. And that's because a lot of those guys got hurt. I, I was just thinking about
2: it. I don't that. know about what's stolen, with the uh, saves.
3: Well, Craig Kimbrell, Edwin Diaz, Kenley Jansen were all not good. hurt or... Yeah, yeah I mean... Chapman. Okay, we talk- back
1: back to third base uh yeah. who is <laughs> um <laughs> no, that's cool Miguel it, it's, Su- worth point- it's worth pointing out this was the first time Eugenio Suarez had like strikeouts were in any way an issue for him and I, I don't even think the rate was that bad
3: and if if that's the trade-off fine yeah <laughs> like if he's yeah. going to become a, a better power hitter as a result of it you take right. it, because it's not like he was helping you much in batting average before that anyway. Yeah, he actually,
2: Suarez, two good years in a row, he's been top 17 in OPS among all hitters. So he's, yeah. he's a good hitter, it, but doesn't do a lot other than hit for power.
0: He gets
1: on base in formats where that matters, but it's 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 weird because he just had kind of the second-level breakout where he, he turned out a 49-homer season, and he's going later than he was a year ago, certainly with this injury. I think that was true even before the injury, though.
2: Hmm, I don't Uh, know. Round six?
1: I think he was going that early last year? No, he was probably more like round seven or eight. Yeah, I think so. Oh, yeah. The fact that it's even close just shows you how much depth there is at this position.
2: Let's go to the third baseman you avoid in drafts. Chris? I guess
3: Manny Machado. Do not you, you have say, the same answer as yeah, shortstop? Jeez, you're killing it today. Are <laughs> right, You thinking about ha, it. Okay, I haven't drafted Chris Bryant. There you go. It's not necessarily that I'm avoiding him. I just... I don't know if his production is actually worth the cost that you're paying, and it feels like a sort of name value cost that you're paying for him. Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, yeah, I mean, is can he be great? He's had an OPS over 900... Three of the last four seasons, I believe. But you know what's weird? He has the lowest RBI totals. Like, always. Except for the year he hit 39 homers. Hey,
1: he bats, uh, he bats first or second. He bats yeah, mostly second
2: I last know, year, but right? It, and
1: this year, he's, they're talking about batting him first. He's
2: going to bat leadoff, right? So he's, yeah. he's going to hurt you in, in RBIs. And he's not that good with, with runners in scoring position for his career. His OPS is like 40 points lower than his career OPS. But that's a guy I wonder, Chris Bryant. I mean, I feel like he's played through some injuries, and he's still yes. young. And he he's the kind of guy who wouldn't shock us if he had a huge year. He's already done it. But 282-31 homers, it's a really nice season with a great on-base percentage. His number 11 third baseman. So, <laughs> you know? Yeah,
1: he's... A- He's a guy whose value improves in points leagues because of the on base skills, but he doesn't in in terms of five by five categories. He's an okay source of batting average. He's going to score a bunch of runs, but he's not really a standout in the home run category like he was in his heyday when the home run threshold was a lot lower. You know, he's kind of stayed the same while the league around him has improved. Who has more,
2: who has more league winning potential, Chris Bryan or Vladimir Guerrero?
3: Uh, I Gotta mean, it's Vladdy. it's the mist. I mean, it's the mystery box versus a boat thing.
2: No, it's like, not right. because what, no, because this boat. But we know what. No, we know Chris, what Chris Bryant, Bryant's upside is. We don't know. I don't think we. Unless you're calling 2016 or whatever when he had the 39 homers. Right, 80s. his
3: the year he won the MVP.
2: Yeah, top eight hitter in fantasy. Right,
3: he's really, he's a, really good. Whereas he's Vladimir pretty Guerrero from that though. Sure, but the skill set doesn't look that different. Whereas Vladimir Guerrero, we're still at the point where we're like, well, he could become prime Albert Pujols, and it's we know Chris Bryant can't do that.
2: What's your answer? Right. Who do you, who do you think has more realistic realistic league winning upside this year, Bryant or Vlad?
3: Bryant,
1: uh, Bryant is the high, higher probability pick for sure. But I, I, I mean, if you're if you're Goal Vladimir Guerrero upside. could be anything. It's, it's Guerrero. It's hey, Guerrero could even more... be Chris Bryant. Guerrero has more league losing potential too than... <laughs> who would you draft? Uh
3: Bryant. Guerrero.
2: Oh okay.
3: <laughs> i that's a thing where like I've made sure that I have at least one share of Vladimir Guerrero somewhere.
2: Yeah, I haven't I done that with Chris Bryant. Yeah, I don't want there's a little FOMO there too. Scott, who uh who do you avoid in drafts?
1: Probably Guerrero, just because of his going rate. I he's in my bust column because he even to even to make just the modest standard of being the 53rd best player. He he needs to show some skills improvement. He needs to hit the ball in the air more specifically, and certainly it's within the realm of possibility. We saw Juan Soto's fly ball rate go up dramatically from year one to year two, uh, and no doubt the Blue Jays are well aware of what Guerrero needs to do to get better, but you, you never know if it's going to happen until you see it happen. So, uh, particularly given the quality of the third baseman going after Guerrero and in some cases, much well after him. Um, yeah, the, the pick there doesn't make sense to me.
3: This is the, the, the great mystery of Vladimir Guerrero coming out of his rookie season is he was forty-seventh percentile in hard hit percentage last season, and he also led the majors and batted balls over 115 miles an hour.
2: Hmm. That's very interesting. So he didn't hit the ball that hard. He didn't hit the ball hard he didn't, all he that he just often. wasn't consistent. He but, wasn't there yet. But he crushed it, it at place. times.
1: And we all saw what he did in the home run derby. I mean he yeah. didn't technically win, but he won. Right.
2: Yeah, he won our <laughs> hearts. My guy yeah. that I'm avoiding is probably Devers. I just don't yeah. think that he should... I want to see one more season. Like, he was amazing. He was the number four hitter in Roto. But, you know, some high Babbitt, home run to fly ball, right? Just things that feel like they're going to regress for Devers. And the counting stats were just outrageous. So I don't think he deserves to be an early round three or a late round two pick. And I, I'm probably not going to get him. I don't know. I just feel like this position so deep that I don't feel like taking a risk on Devers. Like Arenado's not a risk. You know, Ramirez is a risk, but at least he steals. So Devers for me is going to be the guy that I'm not taking. Um and then Ramirez is just maybe the most interesting player in
1: fantasy this year. Right? Yeah. I I'm convinced he's not really that much of a risk. It's it was it was such a weird detour his career took because basically it was a full calendar year where he was like a two hundred hitter. Um but there there have been a lot of there's been a lot of research done about what went wrong and what went right again. And, and what Ramirez himself is saying, kind of the, the anecdotal, uh, backstory, um, supports all the, all the analysis is basically, he just, he started trying to beat the shift by hitting the ball the other way, instead of sticking with his strengths of hitting pitches, middle in and, and just yanking him out of the park and, and then once he got back to that approach he was back to being the guy who we were drafting 3rd overall last year and then when you factor in the steel scarcity and his ability to impact that category uh, i think middle of round 2 is actually is actually good value for him he he could be that top 5ish type player again
2: i'm pretty much all in on him like i just i want jose ramirez because i do think very realistic we're taking him with the top 5 pick next year and uh, he doesn't, you know, he's, you're getting a discount. So I this is my favorite Jose Ramirez stat, right? First 82 games, he's awful. He has a 629 OPS, but at least he's stealing. He's still 18 bases. Last 47 games, beginning on July 4th. So I think there's some patriotism here. Uh, he had an 1100 OPS and he was on pace for 21 steals. He, the steals went down, obviously, but that's because he was hitting so many home runs. Then he gets hurt. And well, within this stretch, he gets hurt. Late August. He misses about a month. He comes back from a broken hand. He homers twice in the first game back, including a grand slam. He has seven RBIs, and he homers the next day. It just—it was awesome the way he finished the season. He only played three games at the end of September, but he had three home runs in those games. Uh, Let's do this uh, kind of like a rapid fire. Which elite third baseman is most likely to be a bust? Out of Bregman, Arenado, Ramirez, Devers, and Rendon. Those top five. Most likely to be a bust.
3: It's Devers. It's the guy yeah, who's only it, done it once. Yeah.
2: Okay. How early is too early for Rendon in a roto league? There was The answer was like not at all early. The, the answer was probably like first last year because he was so good. But typically, he's not that good. In a points league, however, he's tremendous. How early is too early for Rendon in a categories or a roto league?
3: If you and took not, him 15th overall, you're probably reaching. Yeah, I I, certainly ADP
1: has shown that in my initial roto rankings, which I took, which I made without consulting anything else, just totally me sitting down on my own and and ranking these players. I He was in my first round. But since then, I've come to recognize the not just the scarcity of high end pitchers and base dealers, but how aggressively everyone else is also pursuing them. And and that's forced me to move him down. So I I don't think I don't think back of that half of the first round is necessarily too early, but it's it's earlier than you need to take him. Obviously, like just if you if you have one of those late first round picks, just wait and take him with your second pick if you want him that badly.
3: Yeah, his his last three years, the 162 game average is a 310 average 32 homers, 121 RBI 109 runs and six steals,
2: but he's going to a much worse park.
3: He is going to a much worse park, but it's a better lineup spot. Uh, He's hitting he's hitting I, Either in front of or behind, the that's best one guy. Player in a generation. That's
2: one guy. I and mean, there's Otani too. And he's too. hitting behind
3: Shohei Otani yeah. or in front. Of, like
2: maybe, maybe better. But like they had a pretty good. They had a pretty good lineup last year. The and Nationals. It's an
3: American League team, so they're going to have the DH. So the lineup's going to turn over more, especially at the top. It's a better. I I think at worst, it's a neutral context. Okay. Chain. Uh,
2: I want to correct something I said about Devers. I mentioned his home run to fly ball rate. Right? That was not. Anything that's going to regress. Uh, his Babbitt was sort of high, but it's really the counting stats and just the unprovenness. And uh, yeah, that, I think seems like we're on the same page. Which out of nowhere third baseman is most likely to repeat in 2020? J.D. Davis, Tommy Edmond, Gio Urshela, Brian Anderson, Scott Kingery, Hunter Dozier. Who's most likely to repeat that success in 2020, Scott?
1: Okay, so you had a specific list of players?
2: You can add anyone. My list was J.D. Davis, which is going to be your answer, Edmund, Urshela, <laughs> Brian Anderson, Kingery, and Hunter Dozier.
3: Yours is more lo- late-round guys. Yeah. It, it would have been
1: J.D. JD Davis. Like if we're just talking about repeat in terms of playing time, too, then yes, I, I I feel very confident saying J.D. Davis. But, um, you know, that obviously J.D. Davis was kind of, kind of a borderline option in mixed leagues, particularly shallow in mixed leagues, because he wasn't playing every day. And that still seems like it's a concern, given the positive reports of Ioannis Cespedes uh, early in camp. So I'm, I'm beginning to have... Although I still think J.D. Davis' upside makes him well worth the, the drafting at the going rate, I'm beginning to have some concerns that the playing time will be a non-issue. Um, so actually... The one I'm going to go with here is Gio Urshela, in terms of being most deserving of the ADP, because like it, it doesn't even sound like the Yankees are giving half a thought to playing Andujar at third base. It's first base. It's maybe we'll try him in outfield, some DH. Um, Like Urshela seems to have that job locked up, and and considering that, it's it's amazing to me how low he's going, which is much lower than Davis even.
3: Yeah, it's a like one of the biggest one-year outliers even in a year with a lot of one-year outliers like this was a guy who like looked like he was swinging a wet newspaper before last season Mm -hmm. like he Mm -hmm. was not a major league caliber hitter he basically wasn't using the lower body his lower body in his
1: swing at all prior to last year and then last year (laughs) made that simple step of Using his whole body when he swings, and, I mean, he just hit the ball so much harder. And he's always had good contact rate. He profiles. He has a very, very safe profile for batting average. And batting behind all those high OBP guys, his RBI total is going to be
2: yeah. Very okay, it's Gio Urshela we're G- talking about. Chris, why don't we get to your answer? Who's the out-of-nowhere third baseman most likely to repeat in 2020?
3: Not on your list, keeping with the theme of me just not playing by the established rules. Tommy Edmund. He is on my list. Well, I didn't see him.
1: <laughs> well, he's there. Okay. Tommy Edmund.
2: Uh yeah. Go on.
3: Oh, I just I think the the skill set looks pretty safe. Uh he was doing it in triple A. That's that's one difference between Urshela and, and Edmund was Edmund was a big time breakout, but like Urshela was a 705 OPS guy in the minors, too. Edmund was at least hitting before getting called up. Uh, The Cardinals, for whatever reason, it's not the strongest bit of analysis possible, but the Cardinals do seem to uh, have a knack for developing late career breakouts like this. Um, And the biggest thing for me is just stolen bases are so rare, as we talked about ad nauseum, that like that that seems like a pretty stable skill set for him.
2: I don't love that Edmund was awful for his first forty five games and then amazing for his last forty seven games. I don't know if that means anything, but I, yeah, like, or I, I, I was I at more, least consistent.
1: I, I like Edmund a lot, especially since he's second base eligible, steals like Chris is saying. I mean, if you if you don't get them early, he's a great source of them in the middle rounds. But I do have more questions about Personally, I have a little more skepticism about his bat than I do Urshela's or Davis's.
2: All right, here we go. Let's do sleepers, breakouts, and busts. Uh, let me ask you auction questions first. $260 budget. How much for Noan Arenado?
1: I have him going, and I can tell you the exact number. Or I can't. I thought I had opened that up. This is very good. This is a very good discussion we're having. 35 a, to okay. 40?
2: Yeah. 38. 30, what that's have. what I was going to say. Right 38. between 35
1: and 40.
2: 37 and a half. Uh, how much for Vladimir Guerrero? He 14 is, is
3: 18. my team. Oh, someone's
2: going to fall in love with him. He's not He's not going to go. Like, he's just going to take one oh, yeah. guy. He's going to go for yeah. the 20s, I bet. He's
1: my like number 11 third baseman. I'm sure he's going. He's actually going earlier than that.
2: Two hundred and sixty dollars budget. How much for Josh Donaldson?
1: He is nine
2: dollars for me. Who do you like better, Josh Donaldson or Miguel Sano?
1: Donaldson, but they're right next to each other. Well,
3: across the field,
2: right? <laughs> There's like
3: three guys between them. <laughs> yeah. most of the time.
2: Wow, what an infield. Okay, I don't
3: know about the lineup. They might be right next to. You.
2: Blank is my favorite sleeper, third baseman, Scott White. they in the blank.
1: Gio Urshela. I pretty much made the case already.
2: Okay. Chris, who's your favorite sleeper?
3: How about Travis Shaw? Yeah. How about yeah. him? He was a disaster last year. Just from the get-go, tried to tweak his swing in the offseason, didn't like how it felt, and I believe the story was he tried to rework his swing in the offseason got to spring training, hated how that went, and tried to go back to his old swing and just never felt right. But this was a guy who I believe was a 30-homer guy two years in a row. Uh, Yeah, hit 63 homers between 2017 and 2018. Uh, I would anticipate he's going to play pretty much every day in Toronto, even with all the young guys that they have. And last I checked, I don't know where his ADP is now, but oh, last I checked, so, yeah, it's yeah. three ninety nine right now. So basically, like null, this value yeah. does not exist.
2: He, I don't know that Travis Shaw can hit lefties anymore. But at his ADP, Travis Shaw doesn't have to hit lefties. But this is what he did against lefties last year. Not to say he was good against righties, but he batted one oh two with one extra base hit in forty nine at bats. He slugged one twenty two against lefties.
1: Interesting. The case for Travis Shaw is just to throw out last year. Yes. Like it was just. Yes. It was but two just years ago, season.
2: he struggled against lefties too. But that—that's just a playing time thing. But you know, could he sit? It doesn't matter. I, I think I, I, the ADP is nothing, so enticing.
1: If nothing else, it's encouraging that the Blue Jays were willing to offer him a full-time job. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and obviously they're 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 not really expecting to contend this year, and they're probably just thinking it's a low risk move but still like Scooter Jeanette hasn't gotten that flyer from any other team you know they there. a lot of times when a guy just drops off a cliff like that um they can't find work next year and Travis Shaw did so that that says something in and of itself
2: does anybody want Matt Carpenter
3: no yeah I think we're probably writing him off a bit too aggressively uh, he was one of the five best hitters in baseball two years ago
2: yeah it's crazy in that year, it was a very—it was about half the season. He was just unbelievable. The other half, he was terrible. It was like quarter of a season terrible, then a great half, then a bad quarter of a season. But end of the year numbers was an elite player basically. And last year, so bad. Another guy is starting to really struggle against lefties for Carpenter. But who would you? They're both sitting there at the end of the draft: Carpenter or Travis Shaw? Uh,
1: Carpenter. Sure. Shaw for Scott,
2: Carpenter for Chris. All right, then, who's your favorite breakout, Scott?
1: J.D. Davis. J.D. Davis. Uh, I will just mention again that while he was a 300 hitter with a near 900 OPS last year, he actually underperformed his expected stats. That's how good the quality of contact was. Uh, You know, a lot of times fluky things can happen in... Part time roles, but even when it was August, I think, where JD Davis got a chance to play every single day because of injuries, and it was a huge month for him. He hit over 300 with like nine home runs. Lefties, righties, the split was basically even. Like any situation this guy was thrown in, he hit last year. So it's just, it's just a matter of what kind of gap there will be defensively between him and Johannes Cespedes is in left field. Cespedes is coming off three leg surgeries. You know, maybe maybe he doesn't have that much of a leg up there on Davis, actually. Um, but even if Cespedes ends up getting the majority of time in left field, Davis is they're 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 giving him he's going to spend half his spring at third base, and he could end up playing a lot, bouncing between those two positions with Jeff McNeil moving over to second base or whatever else.
3: Chris' favorite breakout: Miguel Snow. You could argue the breakout already happened last year, uh, but there's a. Decent chance that we're talking about him as the premier power hitter in baseball this time next season. And he's going to go off the board four rounds later than Joey Gallo. And I'm not sure there's a difference in their skill set. Joey Gallo seems a little bit safer because of all the injuries Miguel Sano's dealt with. Although Joey Gallo has had trouble staying healthy in his own right. Uh, Two of the last three seasons, Miguel Sano's been on a 40 plus homer pace. Last season, it was a 50 plus homer pace. I I think a fifty homer season is well within the realm of possibility here.
2: Sano has never played more than hundred and sixteen games. He got in better shape, but then he had a weird heel injury that required surgery, so his season didn't start you know until a little bit later. And he he had a nine twenty three OPS, but he, his one hundred fifty five game pace was fifty homers. 247 batting average 117 runs 112 no 117 RBIs 112 runs but 235 strikeouts that was his Yeah, he's, he's going to strike days. out a lot
3: yeah but he's also like a career 360 babbitt guy i believe and so that helps make up for it as does the fact that he just hits a, pun- a bunch of bombs yeah
2: he sure does all right miguel so now who's your fi- uh, who's the biggest bust at the position chris
3: when I did my third base preview, I put Vladimir Guerrero and this is kind of the you're seeing the the duality of how I view Vladimir Guerrero. I think the most likely outcome is he is a pretty sizable disappointment at his 53rd overall ADP. Um, but I also will make sure I have him in at least one league just because there's that that tail end of his like of his potential outcomes is really really big
2: okay so for you scott who's your biggest bust
1: i i was gonna say guerrero too i'll just add one detail uh to show you to show you how far behind he was sorry to to show you how far behind the rest of the third base pack he was last year Uh, i'll pull that up in just a second but you know, Manny Machado deserves a mention here too. We talked about him a lot in the shortstop preview. None of us think he's really the sort of guy who could live up to that, uh, the range where he goes either, which is about top 50, actually one spot ahead of Vladimir Guerrero. I think Josh Donaldson has a lot of bust risk. The position is so deep that it doesn't seem like many people are reaching for him. Um, but you know, he was, I think, the seventh best third baseman in head to head points per game last year. And uh just given his injury history and the fact he's like he's thirty (laughs) four. He's not this is not the stretch of his career where you should expect him to stay healthy. Um I, I think the risk for him is just as high for Justin Turner, even though um it's not reflected in ADP. So, yeah, the stat I wanted to give on Vladimir Guerrero, he averaged 2.63 head-to-head points per game last year, and that's compared to, like, it's bad. 3.35 for Chris Bryant. Uh Donaldson was 3.31. Even Miguel Sano, who goes much later, and uh, we're talking about him having breakout potential, he was 3.35. So, yeah, like, all those third basemen were in the 3.3 range, and Vladimir Guerrero was down at 2.6. It's yeah, basically but who it's cares?
3: it's throwing out what he did last yeah. year entirely. That's the like you're you're drafting cause him cuz he had a 1050 OPS between double A AA and triple A.
2: It wasn't yep. even that bad last year as a as a how old was he? 20, 20 years old, 21 year old. 20 year old. Yeah. 20 year old rookie. But I mean, 272. He hasn't turned 21
1: yet. Yeah. But it, but but the skills the skill indicators back up what he did, right? He wasn't he unlucky. He didn't play What he right. didn't Right, no, he, he was... by by I'm saying he
2: wasn't, he wasn't bad for a twenty year old rookie for, I'm a, saying, for like, a major it, it league it third baseman on he was. Skills
3: it hinges on skills improvement, of like course. I was saying.
2: But he has yeah, the it's, skills.
3: It's, it's betting on pedigree. It's betting that the guy who hit lest we forget three eighty one in twenty eighteen, mm-hmm. mostly in double A AA and triple A. Uh all in double A AA and triple A. I want to throw out another uh,
2: name as a oh sorry Chris as a possible bust. Matt Chapman had a terrible September, and I was just reading on our website. Uh, you know, if you go to a player page, get these updates. Martin Gallegos of MLB.com said that Chapman is working on his mechanics so he can be better against high fastballs and off-speed pitches. And in September, I, you know, I know it's only one month, but. I don't have the numbers in front of me. No, he batted 178. He did hit six home runs. He struck out 31 times. Uh, you know, last, last 57 games total, he had a 734 OPS. He batted 193, but within that, he had a very good August and a bad September. So I don't know what to make of it, but the fact that he's changing his mechanics, Mac Chapman, to catch up to high fastballs and adjust off speed pitches, it makes me wonder if, the book is out or something like that if people pick something up on him and i i'm not sure that he's so much better than the guys who are going after him like donaldson and sano and you know the depth of the position and Mustakas. so i probably don't I mean, the overall see myself the overall
1: that. production was very similar for all those guys i was saying they were 3.3 3, chapman was 3.2 last year uh so he's he has the sort of batted ball profile that lends itself to a low BABIP and so he may not be a great source of batting average because of that but I, I don't think anyone's expecting Josh Donaldson to carry them in batting average certainly not Miguel Sanó it just becomes a it just becomes a matter of weighing risk and reward at that point and Chapman is the least risky of them
2: I, but I don't know about not if not if he's really changing his mechanics after a horrible September after no. batting 193 in his last 57 games. I I had I'm no not, idea about that. I'm not going to read too much into
1: that it. until a, like if he has <laughs> maybe if he has the sort of spring Travis Shaw did last year then sure. we could then we could start to wonder.
2: Uh, but if Eugenio Suarez is now dropping behind Matt Chapman, who would you take?
1: I have Suarez ahead of Chapman. Yeah.
2: All right, that's yeah. all. I feel like that might happen with the shoulder injury that Scott mentioned. It's probably not that big of a deal. So we go to average draft position. We have not talked about Yohan Moncada, so we'll definitely get to him. Bregman's 11th, Arenado's 11th, Rendon's 19th, Jose Ramirez is 20th. Points League, Rendon, Roto League, Ramirez?
1: Yes. Yeah. Though, I mean, Ramirez should... He hardly strikes out, so it's not like he's... It's not like he loses value in a points league.
2: Right. Chris, then Devers, 23rd overall, and then a pretty big gap to Chris Bryant, at the end of round four, beginning of round five. Manny Machado in round five. We've already talked about him as being extremely overvalued. Vladimir Guerrero in round five. If you've heard our second base preview, you've heard all about DJ LeMahieu. they Eugenio Suarez is there in round six. I think we covered him. Uh, And he's probably lower than that now. Yoan Moncada. Round six. So he's in between oh. Vlad <laughs> LeMahieu, uh, Muncy, mm-hmm.
1: Chapman. Scott says, ugh. On your avocado. I just don't know why these people. Like, this isn't the year to pay up to, like, it, it, to gamble on upside to this extreme. It's always you know? the year to gamble on upside. No, upside not, wins. Not among hitters. Like, when Josh. Given how late you can get some studly third baseman, I just don't.
3: But those guys aren't going like, to. I think you're thinking too much in a points league context. And like, oh, this Josh is terrible Donaldson value has, in Josh Donaldson has no chance of being a five category category contributor. He's yeah, probably I know, but a three category. Monkata contributor Moncada has at a minimal best. chance of being one. Well, so like he it, when literally you're literally just when that well, no, big of a difference in cost. Hold on, he he literally was last year. I know, well, it's but He Was like a five a category stud last. First
1: year. of all, he had 25 home runs, so he wasn't in a hundred and thirty He had 10 steals. So,
2: he that wasn't a stud. Yeah, he wasn't a stud. in a, he, he, was,
3: th- he was a five like there were not that many players who helped you as much as he did in five different categories.
2: He was a contributor was, in all five. He was
3: a less believable Ozzy Albies. I and mean, like, you're you're acting like his expect like you're all about the expected Babbitt or expected batting average and expected stats. His expect XBA was two ninety one. I know which his is average is a lot lower was, than he his, actually hits. Right, but if he hits 291, he's going to be a stud. He's going to be a third-round pick next year. No way. Yes, he not is. If he yeah. hits 291 with 30 homers and 10 steals, he's going to be a third-round pick. What? Yes. Well, Springer isn't even a third-round pick. Because he doesn't steal bases. We're not talking about a
1: lot of steals here. 30 I homers mean, is not... Maybe well, double digits.
2: 30 homers is not that much. What, what did we say? There were almost 60 players who hit 30 homers last year or something? The,
3: I I feel like I'm... I feel like I'm taking crazy pills I, right now. I, I, I like, think it's I feel like you are too. You're a little crazy like, right now. <laughs> who who would hit 291 with 30 homers and 10 to 15 steals? Oh, you're upping the home run total now. Well, he hit 20 <laughs> He hit 25 in 132 games. You're uh, acting like he played 162 games and okay, hit 20. but 132 isn't I mean, you,
2: well, you should expect a deal
0: for everybody. Season. You
2: know what, Chris? You know what it is? It's a little bit better than Javier Baez. He hit two eighty-one with 29 homers and 11 steals last year. He missed some time. He played 138 games, which is very similar to what Moncada did.
3: And Javier Baez is a fourth round pick.
2: Yeah, and but I, it doesn't seem like how you guys is, want him there. <laughs>
3: what are we doing? No, I look. I,
1: I well, I don't. I we just talked about how I don't think Baez is worth. Right, but with. he's
3: going 40th overall.
1: And, and that is his Mokata, ADP. Mokata's 68. That's very high, too.
3: Right, but... <laughs> I, well, okay, I, no, Mokata's, because this is the conversation. The point was, if he hits 290 with 30 homers and 10 to 15 steals, he's a third-round pick. That's just true. I don't know if that's
2: true. I mean, I feel like that's maybe late third, I fourth think, round.
1: I think you... Yeah, I mean... Get up George Springer Steelers was much better than that last year. Much, much better. And he is going 38th, so outside the third round. Charlie Blackman, 39th, outside the third round. Yeah. Uh, Catel Marte was a first-rounder basically last year, and he's going 44th.
2: Well, okay, first thing on Moncada, even though his strikeout rate went down, uh, he's still a bad plate discipline guy. So sixth round in... A points league would be a, a terrible idea.
3: Right, I'm not arguing that. I know that. I know, I'm just strictly for road.
2: I'm just saying, just putting it like, out. He's an there.
3: elite he's an elite athlete, he's an elite batted ball guy who improved across the board last year in ways that are not necessarily sustainable to what he specifically did with a 3.15 average, but like his XBA was in the top 10% of the league. And we're yeah. you're talking about him like he's a total scrub. No, I think he'll be a pretty good source of batting <laughs> he
1: average. Did not. I think that's I think that's the the area where he'll probably stand out most. And, and of course, that's contingent on him continuing to keep the strikeouts as low as they were last year.
2: So, Scott, I mean, the, the interesting thing here with, with Moncada is that he is going in a range of players, other than Lemayhu, of, like, probably low batting average but more power, right? Suarez, Muncy, Chapman, Donaldson. And Moncada's earlier than most of them, but mm-hmm. any draft he could be just in that mix. So, yeah, it really I mean, is due by as the batting hitter.
1: If he improves as a power hitter, then then he'll overtake those guys. But a lot of them have a big power advantage on him right now.
2: Yeah, a very big one. And with that might be more runs and RBIs, although he's going to bat first or second in the White Sox order. So, Chris, do you think that's okay value for Moncada in round 6?
3: Yeah, he's on my breakout list. All right. I think there's room for him to even improve. He's still he's still very young. He is one of the best athletes in baseball who started to look like a baseball player last year for the first time, took big steps against left-handed pitching, which had always been an issue for him, and was more aggressive. He's a guy who needs to swing more because good things happen when he hits the ball. And his good manager... things happen when he swings. The issue for him last before last year was his approach wasn't great. He was too passive.
2: Yeah, and I, his I
1: manager... guess without getting into okay. the specifics of Moncada, <laughs> I just I don't see how in a year when a George Springer is getting pushed around four, a Charlie Blackman is getting pushed around round four, uh, MVP candidates last year Lemehu and Simeon are going in like six and eight. TJ Lemayhu, they're fake, MVP. and there and there are a lot of there are a lot of like unquestionable. I, I guess I okay, the, Maybe that's not the right word to choose, but there are there are a lot of players who quite believably performed at a stud level last year, going it, into the middle rounds because the hitting pool is that deep. I don't know why you would choose to gamble on the hope of somebody maybe joining them in elite production but I don't, in, in like well, round I, wait six, hold on like let me say five something. or
2: six. But he, I don't really think that. First of all, Moncada's going after all those guys. So who are the guys that he's going...
3: Right, you're... you're he's going you're with Goldschmidt, him.
2: Bichette, Gary he's Sanchez. He's was
3: behind who was just Three as much picks. of an outlier last year for his career as, as Moncada was. I, but
1: he was also much better last year than Moncada.
3: I, and Moncada was I, pretty good, though. I mean, I feel like yeah, you're selling Moncada him short. Was and awesome. I don't really understand on the basis, he was the number comparison. On a per-game basis, he was the number 36 hitter in Roto last season.
1: According to your formula, which you admitted... Overestimated the value of steals. We I don't think have it that overestimated really the
3: va- value. Of st- it's based on how many steals happened last year and All right, how valuable we gotta move on. steals were in a league.
1: So, I mean, okay, but look at Moncada <laughs> had eighty-three runs and seventy-nine RBI, and
2: Lamay was over a hundred in both. But it Malay played more games and he okay, was on a much better team. but he was on a much better team, and you have to wonder if the counting stats will go up for Moncada with the investments that the White Sox have made. You hope so. Um It
3: should be a much better lineup.
2: It should be. Okay. Sorry. Let's so let's let's keep going. Uh we're in the we're in like the ne- that tier of uh, lost my place <laughs> in the average draft position. Okay. control
3: so. F Muncie. He's next.
2: Muncie's in round seven. <laughs> Matt Chapman's in round eight. Donaldson round eight. McNeil round eight or nine. Mustakas round nine. Escobar round ten. No, I don't know what to say here.
3: <laughs> Mustakas um, has become Mustakas has become like the third baseman you settle for. And I think Escobar's probably there too.
1: Why is Escobar They'll probably them? both be drafted to play second is like this is the range of sure second baseman who are posing as third base. I mean fantasy second baseman. They're in real life they're probably third baseman posing as second baseman, but you know, they're gonna get drafted to play second. All right,
2: here are some names, a few that we haven't mentioned. Miguel Sano, round 11. Yuli Gurriel, round 12. And Tommy Edmond, round 12. Boy, that is high. Justin Turner, round 13. So what do you think about that group of Sano, Gurriel, Edmund, Turner?
3: I've seen some people in the fantasy industry talk about Tommy Edmond like a top 50 player. Man, There are people who know. are really, really high on him. He, he won't get drafted there ever, but that... There are people who really, really believe in the skill set. Do you? He's one of my favorite mid round steal sources,
1: as we talked about in the second base preview. So I'm, I'm fine with him as a 12th rounder. Um, I might even reach for him as early as the 10th, depending on what my steal situation is looking like at the time. Uh, Yuli Gurriel is the one I'm least likely to draft at his going rate. Um, he's also one who seems to fall a lot because I think a lot of, people who are um in the fantasy industry the people the kind of people i draft with the most are skeptical of what he did and he's on my bus list i mean it was basically just july and august was he did things that he's never done before and then was fell back off in september um and the guy in his mid-30s it's just difficult to trust that yeah i I think i got
3: him in the 16th round yesterday which is fine Right, when he goes that late, it's like, what
1: do you have to lose? Yeah,
2: you're going to get batting average from Gurriel, so at least you got that. Yeah, and he was he my starting
1: down. third baseman in that. And the runs in RBI should be high in the lineup he's in. Yeah.
2: Hunter Dozier will come off the board after that. And like I said, first 52 games before his oblique strain, he was amazing. He had 987 OPS. Batted 314 with 11 homers, 12 doubles in 52 games. Just was not the same player after coming off the IL, but he had an 804 OPS. So it's not like he was terrible. Hunter Dozier, was he? Yeah, he's right after Justin Turner. He's in round 15. Turner's in round 13. Then it's Dozier, Scott Kingery, JD Davis, Ryan McMahon. So, what do you, like, can you buy the oblique excuse for Dozier? Could this be a really good hitter that just got injured?
3: Round fifteen feels a little rich to find out, but yeah, I, I think it's possible.
2: Okay, yeah. How about Kingery? Yeah.
3: Um,
1: Kingery is is I think being undervalued as as aggressively as everybody is pursuing steals. I and mean, you just project out Kingery's numbers from last year, and yeah, you know, a guy was playing like three quarters of the time, and it comes out to about a twenty twenty season. So, mm-hmm.
2: the third round uh, pick he, for Chris.
1: He he's in a position to play every day this year. They haven't totally settled on what it's going to be, but it sounds like the most likely scenario is third base. It could be second. It could eventually be center once Alec Baum gets called up, but Kingery's yeah. going to play every day, and so he he's a good value there.
2: Yeah, and he slumped late in the year. I don't know what the timing was, but apparently he had blurry vision late in the season, and he will wear a contact lens that will fix that. How about that? So Scott, Kingery, yeah, I mean, post height,
3: he feels like someone who's kind of sold out for power, and that wasn't really the the profile coming up. So there, there is room, I think, for him to take a step forward if he improves the contact profile. And he was pretty consistently uh, a twenty five to thirty steel guy in the minors.
2: All right, guys, who do you want to gamble on? Ryan McMahon, Gio Urshela, we know him. Miguel Andujar, Michael Chavis, Luis Ariz. Brian Anderson, Mr. Anderson, Tommy LaStella. Yeah, I'm such a Matrix guy. Uh,
1: (laughs) It's 2000 and late. Actually, that was 1999.
2: You got Austin Riley. You got Kyle Seeger, who missed the start of the season on the IL, and then he was really bad early and then really, really good later, but that was kind of a weird season. Uh, Have I said any names that pop?
1: Uh, omitting Urshela, who I think is, yeah, yeah. stands out by far. Um, I, I'm always willing to take a chance on a Rockies hitter if the cost is almost nothing, which it is in Ryan McMahon's case. Uh, I mentioned I just, Miguel Andujar's DH only, but like whoever wins that first-base job in the Yankees, as long as it isn't a timeshare, whether it's Boyd Andujar, or Ford, they're going to be... A must-start fantasy can player.
2: I, can I put in a can I put in a, a can I register a complaint? Why is he DH only? Like he was a third baseman in two thousand seven in two thousand eighteen. He was a third baseman in two thousand nineteen.
1: No, he played mostly DH in twenty nineteen. Did he, the little I, bit he played? I don't
2: remember him playing that Yeah, he started. he was the opening day third baseman. He, wasn't he, he? played
3: he played enough games to uh yeah, Well, I guess he didn't play enough games to get yeah, emailed. He, he didn't,
2: know, he didn't
1: well, get yeah. twenty anywhere but yeah. it's in in that case it goes to the position he played the most which was dh yeah
2: he played only 12 games and he batted 128 and he did not have an extra base hit miguel Andujar. yeah i
3: mean he was hurt coming into the season right yeah. he got hurt in spring training i think
2: and I tried to remember. play through it or but he sec- he was second in rookie of the year in 2018 he should have won otani robbed him 297 328 527 can they get i don't think anybody really bought it but can they get he had forty-seven doubles. Wow, two thousand eighteen. Can they get playing time for him? That's obviously the big question. Is Michael Chavis going to get playing time? Is Austin he- Riley going to get playing time?
1: Mm, eh, that one I'm more skeptical of. But Chavis between first and second base, I think there's, uh, you know, he might not be quite an everyday player, but I think he'll play. I think he'll play more than either Mitch Moreland or Jose Peraza. What about
2: Mister um, Anderson? Brian on, Anderson? Yeah, he's on pace for 34 home runs in his last 72 games. He became a power hitter.
1: Yeah, he's fine. If if you, if he's your third baseman in a standard mixed league, you're at a disadvantage. Yeah, But if it's a deep league, uh, or like by. an NL-only league, that's that's the kind of guy that uh, you could probably get at a great discount just because everybody else is filled up there. Just because there are so many studs to go around.
3: And it should be a better Marlins lineup. That I mean, you know, that's Relatively speaking, the Miami Hurricanes might have a better lineup than the Marlins did last year, but this should be a better version of what they had than last year.
2: Number one team in the country, by the way, according to one poll. The Miami Hurricanes. And who's coming? Congratulations on
3: your participation.
2: Who's coming to town this week? The number two team, Florida Gators. Be there or be square, everybody. College baseball forever. That's the third base preview. Everybody have a great weekend. All right, kick back, relax. And listen to our shows and tell your friends. That'd be nice. For Chris, for Scott, I'm Adam. Talk to you Monday with Outfield, part one.
0: If you've ever been in the market for a new home, you know home shopping can be a lot. There's so much you don't know and so much you need to know. What are the neighborhoods like? What are the schools like? Who is the agent who knows the listing or neighborhood best? And why can't all this information just be in one place? Well, now it is, on Homes.com. As somebody who's been through this, I can tell you these features are so, so incredibly valuable. They've got comprehensive neighborhood guides and detailed reports about local schools, and their agent directory helps you see the agent's current listings and sales history.